Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Going back in time a little bit. Mm. I suppose a good time, really. Nearly 30 years ago, Ireland was represented in the Eurovision Song Contest. Let me just play you a little clip here of the time that it was. So good luck to Jump the Gun for Ireland. entry for Ireland a long, long, long time ago. 1988, to be honest. Uh, just before that, of course, I think Ireland won with Johnny Logan on that particular night. Of course, Pat Kenny was the compare. It was held in Dublin. Jump the gun. Roy Taylor's jumped the gun. And uh, you got Peter Eads there singing as well. But Roy Taylor joins me in the studio tonight for a very specific reason. Good evening to you, Roy. Hey, Niall. Thank you very much for having me in your show. <laughs> Can't believe I'm here. A classic hits. Well, With you, I know my own buddy. Yeah, well, I was a big fan of yours in the day, and now you're saying you're a fan of mine. Well, yeah, well, you were the cool DJ. All the chicks hanging around. <laughs> the chicks yeah. in the night in the nightclubs. Yeah. <laughs> With you one of the bands. Well, I know, but well, look. Before we get into why you're here today, right? Okay. And by the way, that that was an amazing song. Can I only say, by the way, and no disrespect to Peter, all right, but it was an amazing song because your vocals in that really shone. And look, I know that's oh. a bit, is that a bit unfair. Listen to you. Listen. Here's your bit, here's your bit, okay? Not the best of quality, by the way, but I can just point out. You can look in the eye. Do you still remember that night? I sure do. Well, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because I, I rarely had vocal problems that week I had a... Sort of voice problems. You wouldn't think it's a look at you. And, you were and, belting that one out that and, night. And, and, yeah, but they sent me for cortisone injections every day. You know, and uh, so when it came to, you look at me on the eye, I was saying, oh, come on, boy, get up there, get up. So I gave it yeah. socks, you know. It's a great song, isn't it? Ah, yeah. Yeah. We didn't do too bad. It came eighth. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Did the Brits give us many points that night? Just one. I cannot remember. Ilande, what? Boy. I know Spain gave us full marks. So I went there for my holidays <laughs> quite a bit after was that. There, was there a whole thing in the Eurovision at the time? How much did the Brits give us? How much yeah. did we give them? Yeah. <laughs> that was it, yeah. I mean, it, it has become quite political. I'm sure you've watched the Eurovision oh, since. Well, let's... Do you still watch it? Honestly. Not really. To be honest with you. It's a bit farcical It's now. turned into something else. Can I give you an example? Can yeah. I... A couple of years ago, we had Dustin the turkey. Yeah, yeah, then we had Jedward. And the guy said to me, what do you think of our chances with Dustin? And I said, I think we're up against it because Denmark have a cardboard box. <laughs> and he said, 
Do they? <laughs> and then, of course, we That's had... That's how ridiculous it's got. He believed me. We had Jedward as well. well now, well, the fairness the lads, they are a bit of a gimmick. Fair play yeah. to them for making a few quid. Yeah. But neither of them can sing a note. No, but a banana one, banana two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look, before we talk about why you're here tonight, let, let's go back a little bit of time. I know you from a long time yeah. ago because I was DJing on the circuit, uh, playing the hits in, in all the light clubs, and every now and again we'd cross paths because your band would be on, either jump the gun. Mm. Now, I don't go back as far as you do, of course, no. but I... My you, I would have been DJ. No, I started in Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you originally started off, I suppose, with Karen Black as yeah, well. Yeah, in the Nevada. Yeah, in the Nevada. In Nevada. I mean, look, this was the kind of the show band scene, I suppose. Mm. Oh, well, it would have been kind of the end of the traditional show band scene, yeah. wasn't it? The Dicky Rocks and the Joe Dolan. All them and kind the... of things. And I basically, yeah, it was burning oil, shall we say. And Peter Eads was in, was he in the Miami or the Memories, one of them. And Brian was in another band. And he, he was playing piano one night of the week in Port Marnock. He said, listen, you want to come out with the bass and bring a drummer and we'll yeah. have a bit of crack? We went out that night, had a bit of a jam session and loved it. And that was the start of Jump the Gun. Yeah, and there's very few bands now that mm. have survived that area. Well, Who's Eddie are still around. Yeah, and they're doing yeah. great. They uh, live up near me. I live up in the dock. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. You are originally from yeah. the dock. I mean, there's a few bands still around, but I suppose the scene, just like the DJ scene, by the way, mm. has completely almost died now as yeah. well. There was a, you know, a time in the kind of late 80s and 90s where, you know, DJs were hard to come by. Now they're 10 a penny because uh, yeah, they can download music. I, I, you know, I, I do my best to keep an open mind to all genres of music, but I still... I'm not convinced. Now, you might answer this. Right. You know, you know, whatever you call him from, say, Ibiza comes over. Oh, and yeah, he's, yeah. And he's getting 25 grand. I, I, can, I could never figure that out. I, Mind you, I wouldn't I, take it at 25 grand. Come here. I, well, this is the thing. I find it hard to believe this doesn't stick in a USB stick yeah. and puts his hand in the air. And David Guetta jumps around for a few minutes yeah. and makes a few But grand. I'm told, oh, no, no, he feels the vibe and he feels this. I, the kids I, love it. I know, but I'm, do they feel the vibe or do they just go, right, I did a gig one night uh, in a club. I won't tell you which club it was because it wasn't too long ago. It was about 10 years ago. And they had a guy who was with the Prodigy. Now, I don't know this guy because right. right? I do remember the Prodigy. I think yeah. he made the tea for them or something like that. Right? <laughs> okay. But this guy, so he said to us, uh, we want to, uh, three Pioneer players, uh, CD players. That's what he wanted, three Pioneer right. CD players, right? And I got this guy's going to be good, you know, because I was the resident DJ. So this guy was moving into a guest spot for an hour. So what he did was he put one CD in the middle player which had his whole gig on it. And he put two CDs in the other player and pretended to play with them. They were almost playing all the time. So the whole gig was just on one CD. See, so he didn't actually do anything. This is the thing. Is it the Emperor's New Clothes? I don't know. It's a bit like miming. It's, it's yeah. A, you know what I mean? And there's a couple of 80s bands in the UK that go around and do the, the kind of... Like I'd say some of them say, look, I'm getting 25 grand. It's unfortunate I have to turn up. But... Yeah. You know, I mean, I only watched a YouTube video that completely off the street, but do you remember that song? Where's your mama gone? Middle of the road. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. middle of the road. They're still doing the tours, right? Okay, <laughs> right? Jesus, and they've only had two songs. I'd say there's a lot of tarmac on that road <laughs> at this stage. Yeah. But she's about 90, right? <laughs> and she's on the stage, but they're using the original song, back and track oh song, vocals, and she's <laughs> singing like a 30-year-old, <laughs> and she's miming to it, and I'm going, people don't really believe that oh, she's doing this, do they? Okay, but getting back, I mean, the scene was big, there was money, mm. To be made, you were probably in the back of a you know a van every night of the every yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would have been out every night. Would you? Every night, yeah. But it's good fun. Look, you know, we're talking eighties here. It's yeah, great. And what Music was that was whole great. scene like? You would have been passing people like Joe Dole and all those because they oh were back all, in the, the show band thing. The, they were all coming to the, I suppose the end of it. Well, first. yeah, you know, well, Joe was still big. You know, I learned my trade from the show band thing. Yeah, you know, I, I I was only a young guy, twenty years of age. I joined the show band guys. They were all middle thirties. Mm-hmm. I was the young new singer. 
In fact, when people see me all these years later, they think I look great for 95, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it, that was fantastic. You learned so much from them because they're really good entertainers. Mm-hmm. You know, well, some of them weren't, some of them. Yeah. Some of them weren't so much. I mean, yes, that, it's some bands that were ridiculous. There was a band called the Apaches. Not the Indians, no? Yeah, the, These I, were the like, Indians are still going. Yeah, but there was a band. They must be 90, God bless them. There was a band <laughs> called the Apaches. Get this, right? They were going on stage one night and the bass player had his watch on. And the lead singer, the lead singer said, you can't wear your watch. Indians don't, don't wear, wear watches. watches. <laughs> and he says, they don't play bass guitars either. <laughs> well, you know what? If they dress up, I mean, I know the Indians still do the Indians, right? Yeah. That, that, they wouldn't probably be allowed to do that now. now that's called cultural appropriation. <laughs> they wouldn't be allowed to do that now. Well, you know, I don't know. So when when did you was it, I mean was there a time when you kind of noticed a decline in the business where you thought oh, well the showman thing the DJs because he was a cheap option uh-huh. you know what I mean yeah I mean I mean I think I was six or seven years with the Nevada certainly in the last year or two mm-hmm. you could see the thing changing yeah it was more nightclubs yeah. opening up and ballroom things were disappearing yeah and uh, you know it, it had kind of run its course and I was very lucky known a couple of guys and we got together we wanted to play better music for the want of another word yeah. And we formed Jump the Gun. We were playing great songs, completely different sound. And in no time, we were like packing out bars and a few clubs and stuff. Mm. It was great fun. And how long does Jump the Gun go for? Oh, good seven or eight years, I'd say. Okay. And now, and now that was originally. Because they now, were infamous on the circuit. I mean, you guys would have been the band of choice. Yeah. Like, I'll, I suppose like, you know. It's kind of the musicians' band. Yeah, for the big weddings, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, people well, would think of yourselves and some other bands that would have been around at the time. Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing is, we... We did a lot of gigs. A lot of musicians loved the band because it was that kind of band. But, you know, obviously we had our good times. We did Eurovision. Then we signed a deal in America, which unfortunately didn't take off. We went over to Colorado, signed a deal. We were shown the amphitheater where we are going to be playing. Blah, blah, blah. Got a long story short. Never worked out. After that, we got tired down the scene and the circuit. Did you get tired of each other? Not really. It was just we were mm. going around the kind of ballroom circuit again because we were getting good money. And mm. it just became a bit boring. Mm. So people said, look, I had enough. Peter wanted to do something else. So then I said, look, I'm going to keep it going for a while. Hence, I met another few lads. Yeah. Pete Wynette, et cetera. Yeah. Changed I, the band. I knew Pete Wynette well. Actually, and, yeah, and we had a good time for a while, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, how did you get, what made you go to the point of the Eurovision? I mean, what made you enter the Eurovision the first time? I, I mean, it would have been more difficult in those days. To get yeah, the and I'll tell you there. what made us, because Peter Ease is a terrific songwriter. Genuinely, we have songs in the can that if Westlife had today, they'd be multi-million sellers. Genuinely, great songs. But we had no outlet for them then. I mean, Louis Walsh looked after us, and Louis, back then, he could yeah. get you a couple of gigs, maybe. Yeah. In fact, I remember... Louis, Louis right now, would probably only say to get you a couple <laughs> of gigs. But <laughs> yeah. But I actually introduced Louis to a guy called John Reynolds. I, did, I know, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he had a place in Rongford. Mm. And... The Blue he, Light, was it? Uh, no, that was it? No, I know what you Yeah, another place you mean. Just outside the town, that place. That's right, yeah. But in the town, they did a, a nightclub in the hotel. And uh, on a Thursday night, the section part of it off and have bands. Wasn't it Albert's brother on the nightclub? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Jim, Re- Jim Reynolds, I think. Mm. But through that, to the best of my recollection, Louis got very friendly with John. Out of that, they formed a boy band called Boyzone. Mm-hmm, that's right, yeah. And the rest, unfortunately, is history. <laughs> and uh, I don't, well, I mean, Louis really hasn't had a huge. I mean, okay, but I say he hasn't had a huge success. He's had massive success, mm. but he hasn't had a huge amount of bands. Well, he went through a lot of. You see, he booked a lot of bands, mm. a lot of bands. Yeah. Um, just as an agent. Yeah. But then he got into the, the boy band thing, 
changed all that around. Yeah, of course, because he was making more money out of one yeah. band than he was out of everybody Absolutely. else that he had on his books, of course. Yeah. All right, and I, when did you, I mean, when was the last kind of gig? Well, when I say the last gig, you're still doing the odd bit. I am, yeah. Again. Well, like, jump the gun, even though we finished, a couple of years had passed, we say, hey, fancy doing a gig? We'd do a gig, two or three, then we'd go missing for a year or two. Now, every six weeks, eight weeks, we get together. I, unfortunately, as we'll explain in a minute, unfortunately can't play bass anymore. So my son Adam plays bass, and Terence is here in the studio with us. Mm-hmm. He plays guitar, and we do some gigs, and we raise money for a really good cause. Okay, well, let's get to the good cause. Okay, mm. so when did you start noticing that you were feeling unwell? Because, I mean, you were still a young man. Mm. Mm. I mean, like, you're not much older. And I'm incredibly good looking. I don't, I don't, I think about probably Is there no camera on here? Huh. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 You mean I wore this makeup for nothing? How old are you? Because I don't know your age. 62. Okay, so you're not much older than me. No. So you're still a young man. <laughs> so when, when did you notice things were not right? When did you get a feeling things right. were not right? Well, I was... Shall I tell the listeners what yeah, I have? Yeah, yeah. I have motor neuron disease. And I was diagnosed on the 12th of April, uh, 2018. But about a year before that, symptoms were coming. I was doing gigs of my own. Uh, and I was carrying equipment. Found it extremely heavy. I was getting lighter equipment. Finding it extremely heavy. Bought hydraulic stands so I wouldn't have to, you know, start lifting speakers on top of stands. And it just got worse and worse. Lost a lot of weight. Hell of a lot of weight. Lost about three stone. But you were still eating. Eating, but yeah. yeah. And just really lethar- lethargic. So. Were you putting it down to old age? I was, no, I was just putting it down to maybe working too much. I was really yeah. busy. Yeah. And didn't think too much about it, except I better do something about this. And I've got, as most people do, I've got to start getting tests on scopes up, scopes down, CT scans, you name it, angiograms. And all of them come back, no, it's, that's good. It's not here. It's not this department. Yeah. And uh, and did you think for any minute it was going to be neurological? You didn't? No. No. Until uh, I have respiratory problems, believe it or not, yeah. even though I'm singing. Uh, you want to hear my Tom Jones? Yeah! See, he's still there. <laughs> but I don't know how that works. I haven't figured it out yet. I do have respiratory problems. But uh, um, Terence, who's here in the studio with us, my son, he works along with a professor... Costello, and he deals with respiratory yeah. problems, and he got me an appointment. So I went in to see him in Beaumont, and uh, he had a look at me and said, "Let's find out, we get to the bottom of this." But did, did he suspect at that stage? He did. Okay, so well, he, and he didn't okay. tell me okay. because, first of all, it's not his place; that is not his department. To he, he, he can suspect it; he knew it, uh, but. And is it diagnosable? Because oh yeah, like say for example, MS is not is very difficult to diagnose. Yeah, no, no, no. Because there's no. What he done was he referred me to a neurologist called yeah. Professor Orla Hardyman. She specialises in motor neuron disease. Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky. A week later, he said, "You're going to see this lady." All he could tell me a few days later was, "Look, it is neurological, but it could be very minor to anything kind of majorish." You know. So oh, right, okay. So we went had went to meet Professor Hardyman, and unfortunately. After being with her 10 or 15 minutes, uh, she said, look, I'm, I have to tell you, it's motor neuron disease. And how did you feel? What that must have been like, somebody dropping a bomb. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I tell people. You know that scene in the movie where a bomb goes off and you see them sucked yeah. back to the wall? Yeah. That's what it's like. Completely took us by storm, by shock. Did you know at that stage what it was? What I did because my was? motor, because my brother-in-law yeah. passed away from it seven years earlier. Now, that's the first I heard of it. 
Mm. And his was very progressive. Because it doesn't affect that many people. I mean, no. I, I, I know it did. I mean, a lot of people out there, I mean, there's different ones and we need to clarify. You've got ALS, you've got motor neuron disease, you've got multiple cirrhosis. Yeah. They're all very similar in the fact well, that ALS, they're all neurological. ALS is actually yeah. MND. Yeah. In the States, they call it ALS. Don't why, ask me why. Why is that? Yeah. Because, it's a, because it actually is amyolateral, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Now, a lot of people with motor neuron disease suffer with slurred speech. So, so why do they say, call it that? So it's easier to say motor neuron yeah. disease. Uh, right, MND, for yeah. sure. So we and, call and it MND. Okay, so what's there between that and multiple sclerosis than MS? So for people who don't oh, there know. Are, they're, 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 they're both neurological, obviously. Yeah, yeah. and so is Parkinson's and yeah. uh, a few others. I mean, there, there would be obviously common denominators. Mine, along with Gareth O'Callaghan's, he's a... MSA, isn't it? MSA, yeah, Gareth, yeah. Who, is, who left, yeah. he was with us for many great years. Great guy, great yeah. guy. Uh, are like muscle wasting diseases. Mm. It's where basically the brain stops sending the message to the spine. The motor neurons don't go down and say, listen, go tell the spine, tell the muscles to start working. Mm. They stop. So therefore the muscles start to waste. And basically, tragically, in a lot of cases, everything can go literally so why do, you, do you lose your core? I mean, from that point when you were told about the diagnosis, when did you start noticing changes? Like, did you start losing well, coordination? Well, did you feel dizzy? Well, well, at that stage, I was slow walking and a bit breathless. Okay. Uh, and I'm, you know, to say I'm lucky is a bit of an understatement, I guess. But my progression is very slow. Mm-hmm. And I have it diagnosed over a year and a half, probably have it nearly two and a half years, compared to a lot of people. I'm doing quite well. My legs are very weak. As you notice coming in, I have a lot of Elvis going on. Um, my, my arms are a little bit weak and I have respiratory problems. But I'm getting around. I still do a lot of things myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm very lucky, you know. But uh, And what's, I mean, I, I don't want to get too dark about this. Go ahead. But what, what's the prognosis? Well, there you go. Diagnosis. The, well, the average prognosis from diagnosis. Look, it's known as the 1,000-day disease. And the reason why it's called that it's because in a lot of cases, people pass in around that period of Does time. Does that frighten you? No, because it's not going to happen to me. Okay. And it's not. And you know what? You're going to have me back in a thousand days and I'm going to say, hey, hey, you know. Well, I hope so. And I hope I don't frighten you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so in the physical sense. I'll I wear a, we a white you. sheet with holes in it. But it's actually even upset me listening to you because if I got that diagnosis, because I, I, well, look I at, mean, look, something as simple as last week, I had a pain in my side. I mm. thought it was internal because you know when you know something is not muscular. I end up in the Ulster Hospital on Saturday. But now I got scans and x But you know what happens now? But I worried. My anxiety when, levels went to the ceiling. When you get to a certain age, and a friend of mine only said this the other day, Years ago, they'd say, well, yeah, I was at the last, last few points with the nightclubs, great. Now, are you? Oh, I had a pain here. I, went, I, I think I need the new this. And I went to the hospital <laughs> and I got a bit of that. I was convinced my liver was falling oh, we talk, apart. Oh, we talk about spare parts. <laughs> I know. I was here last week and I was telling them, no, I don't think it's me back. I think it's me liver. I can feel it inside me. Yeah. And I went to the hospital and I was paranoid. Yeah. And I was, my anxiety levels had gone through the roof. It was awful. Well, so you, I can that, only imagine right. that's what you're going through. Okay, well, this is what happened. It took me about a month I kept the low profile on it, told the necessary people to try and get my head around Your family it. have been great support, you know. Unbelievable. Your wife and your son, yes, my friends. Yeah. But uh, to get my head around it, because you wake up and go, testing, testing, move the arms and legs, yeah, yeah. are you sure they're right? I yeah. feel okay. You know, and then every hour of every day, I was awake at night. It's just a dream. And that, that, about a month that went on. And then Terence, he's a pretty good guy here. He works in Trinity. In the, uh, what's your department? Biomedical Engineering. And he researched a lot. 
got to know Professor Hardiman a lot and discovered there's quite a lot of things happening. The most important thing is positivity. Now, positivity doesn't come easy. People say, yeah, just, just, yeah, just be positive. When people say that, it doesn't work. But to tell your body to be positive is very difficult. Because you know what? You say, yeah, I'm positive. But inside, you say, no, I'm not really. And that's telling the rest of your body, he's not really positive. He's only letting on. You know what I mean? And from a medical point of view, is there anything that can slow down the progression? Well, there's, there's the thing. At the moment. This is the most exciting time for uh, people, for people like Professor Hardiman. Because we're now just on the fringe of tingling towards halting this. I don't want to be sounding too positive to people saying hallelujah, but they're working on things what they called uh, what are they called? Repurposed drugs. I couldn't think of it. And basically drugs that were designed for something else. For example, the most famous one, Viagra. Mm, of course it wasn't No one can remember. For, it wasn't designed for what it was. You it's, can't remember what it was designed for. for yeah. Now it puts smiles. It was designed for reducing blood pressure. Well, there you go. At the time. Now it puts a permanent grin on <laughs> billions of faces. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... Elderly men, generally. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, now you look at it, we have drugs like, there's a thing called Trimec, which is for HIV. If it was around when Freddie Mercury was around, he'd still be here. We have Ocambi as well now yeah, for people with... But this, this drug, as well. they've done trials in Australia, yeah. has shown in a lot of trials slowing down the disease. There's four or five other drugs they're trying at the moment where there's some positive results from. Have you suggested put your hand up to be a guinea pig? Well, it's not as easy as that. That's the other thing that I'm working on with our new initiative which I'll explain in a minute, along with Terence. Because I imagine these drugs are crazy expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. Uh, uh, because uh, only last year we had a big campaign to get the government to fund our Cambi. But for it's people not only CF. expensive, but like Professor Hardiman is trying desperately. Only 8% of people with motor neuron disease get onto trials. But for various reasons. You're, you, uh, when you're diagnosed, how long you have it, your age. For example, I use a, a uh, thing they call it a nippy which is a ventilating machine at night, non-invasive. It just, the air around you, it, it keeps mm. oxygen flowing around my body. That would disqualify me. There's lots of different things. It's, it's quite complicated. But we are on the verge of trying to change that to get over 90% of people in trials. And what's the problem? Money. It's always the problem. See, m- money should never come between us and our health, mind. No, but, ever, I, but there's no does. doubt about it. If somebody very famous like President of, say, the United States was to get it, I'm I think we're not even happy in the world of that. Well, <laughs> but not, not everybody, but go on. I would think within 12 months there'd there, be there an answer. be a cure, yes. Yeah, yeah and, I, and you're absolutely right. It does come down, a lot of this comes down to money because as I mentioned only last year, we had the campaign. By the uh, way, no, the can I just say, drugs. a very good friend of mine is listening in the United States. He's in San Diego. Can I say hello to him? Yeah. Eamon Farrell, watch your back M&D. We're coming at you from the Emerald Isle. Nice to have you on board, buddy. So... When do you think, I mean, I, I don't want to be giving people obviously false hope because mm. there are people, well, there's 374 people with MND in Ireland. Yeah. Um, and you're one of them, 372 the, and you. The problem, the problem <laughs> being, roughly two or three people a week are diagnosed, but unfortunately, the other end, two or three pass away. Right, okay. That's why the numbers don't get too big. That's why. Because, because obviously the prognosis yes. is quite short. Yes. Yeah. But the the... If if the drug worked, let's say if you know one of the new drugs that you talked about, mm-hmm. if they worked, can the 
the symptoms that you're now experiencing, which is the great difficulty you have walking, you know, it's, it's obviously slowed you down greatly. Mm. I mean, can those symptoms be reversed? Can the muscles build back up again? Is it possible to reverse one, one of the best answers you get from a neurologist is, we don't know. The day I was diagnosed, I said, how long have I got? And they said, we don't know. And that, believe it or not... But of course, you went, down to the, you went home to Dr. Google. Oh, yeah. And then it's a thousand days and... Like, my brother-in-law was only a year. Well, now, now let me be honest, then. let's not trust Dr. Google, because I went to Dr. Dr. Google <laughs> last week, paid him aside and told me I was dead. <laughs> you know, so generally Dr. Google is probably a bad idea, because the word cancer usually comes up in every single search you'll do. So it's, I, I don't know much about the biology of the human body, but the muscles, when they deteriorate, you know, because the brain has been sending those yeah, messages, they're, they're, can they actually develop again, or are those cells just dead? Well, there, I, I don't know. And I, 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 think, I, can't, I think they can redevelop, because I'll tell you why. Because you get people that are in, in hospital for months and months and months and through physio, they pump the muscles again, they get them going. Now, to what extent? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But to be very honest with you now, if somebody gave me a tablet tomorrow and it stopped me now, I would do a deal. I'd take it. I'm wobbly on the legs, Haribo jellies. I don't mind. I'd get on with it. Mm-hmm. You know? And you seem determined that, oh. that you are going to make the change. Yeah. And... Are you sure? Do you really believe? I, 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 I know you believe in yourself. Let me tell you this. Okay. Every time I go to the clinic, I do a cognitive test to make sure all the marbles are working here. They do that every now and then. Just does that affect? Does it affect? It the can. Brain? It can. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and, yeah. and have you found yourself forgetting words? No. Stumbling a little bit no. of your words or not nothing. Nothing. I'm very lucky. Yeah. Apart from a few physical things, I'm very lucky. Um, and I tell people, we will halt this disease. In, in the short number of years, between two, four years, I think we'll halt this. You're going to hear good news. That's my absolute belief. And that's why I recorded this song and wrote it. Because I know, it's too, like, if, if you look, for example, at, you know, TV, every ad break, help the bandy-legged donkey, help the dogs, the cats, the dirty water, yeah, yeah, horrible diseases, all very positive things that we should be helping. But a lot of people go, oh my God, can I have my fish fingers in peace here? Yeah. I'm going to flick over to UTV here. Yeah. It sometimes becomes too much. So I didn't want to add to that. Mm-hmm. That's why I said I'm going to write a song. I'm going to be the first guy in the world to do this. I have motor neuron disease. I'm going to record a song with a big band. I'm going to sing about disease and it's not going to be a depressing song. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, well, that was a good idea. And I'm going to play the song before we yeah, finish yeah. here, by the way. Thank uh, you. Okay, who, I mean, the song, you wrote the song yourself. Yeah. Okay, and Terence, of course, is playing on it as well. Uh, Terence did the arrangement. Yeah. And yeah. By the way, I did say to Terence the last time when I spoke to Terence going back a couple of months ago, uh, around the time of the Awareness Day, um, that it sounded like Michael Bublé. Oh, that, thanks very much. Take that as a compliment, by the oh, way. Yeah, yeah, it is great. a big band sound, isn't mm, it? Mm. It has a great sound. There are, and it's, it's all Irish, all the best musicians. Production, the guy doing video flew over from Glastonbury on the Sunday, the video was on the Monday. So mm. we really gave it everything. And a uh, very good reaction. And you know the nice thing about it? Apart from all the... I don't know how many hits it has, 80 or 90, 1,000 or whatever. But uh, I'm getting emails from people with other diseases, cancer. You know, thank you, Roy. I have breast cancer. I was so down. And I heard you singing about mm. motor neuron disease. Does it get you down? Because like, you're very positive now. And, and I love to see you. Let me so tell positive. you something. But of is there, course it does. you sit on your own and you kind of feel like giving in. Yes. Or you just think this is going to really get me down. This is, look, I'm, I'm living a dream here. This no, let me happen. tell you. Of course you do. Yeah. Days where you cry. But crying is also good. You know why? I see it like servicing the engine, cleaning out the old oil. You whinge it out, and what? You're ready to go again. And that's what happens. 
few sniffles, sniff it up and say, right, up yours, M&D. Yeah. Here we go again. And I'm genuine about that. I'm not trying to be Mr. No, 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 you sound like you genuinely are not going to let this defeat no, you. No, because there's a man, let me tell you this, there's a man that has the disease 41 years. He's 86 years of age. So you what's know? his secret? Wait, I'll tell you. Do you know where he lives? County Leitrim. And he has M&D 41 years. Yeah. You see, the analogy I make is this. Okay, so how, so why, Let, aren't, why aren't we, I'm not saying put him up on a bench and take him apart and have a look and find out why, <laughs> but why have doctors looked at him and said, figured out why he hasn't succumbed to death? They're still scratching heads because this is the thing about this and disease. And has he got the symptoms? But yeah, he, he, the only thing wrong with him is he's, he calls himself handless Andy instead of handy Andy because his, his hands and arms are just like that, down yeah. by his side. They do nothing. Okay, so he's, Everything he's, else is he's working. lost the use of his arms. Yeah, and his hands. But the analogy I make is this. Motor neuron disease is different for everybody. I see it as a raindrop on a window pane. I know I'm going to sound, I'm going to play the <laughs> piano music here. But it starts at the top. It can go very slow. It can stop. It can take a little turn to the left. A bit of a right. Little things are happening. You're losing a bit of this. It can, it can take a dart. And suddenly, you've lost the power of this, the power of that. It can stop again for years. Mm. It can do whatever it wants. And we're going to stop that. Handy, handless Andy says, M&D hates it when its victims smile or are happy. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the song here. It's called Watch Your Back, M&D, right? And um, this song, we'll, well, we'll talk about the song after we play it, all right? And okay. we'll chat to you for a few minutes uh, more. This is uh, Roy Taylor. And gang, and co, have you given the band a name? This yeah, is, yeah, the M&D Assassins. <laughs> the M&D Assassins. It's called Watch Your Back, M&D. And if you like Michael Bublé as well, you'll like this, <laughs> by the way. Who's that guy in the mirror Looking out at me His eyes are grey And his face a little thin My, my, Grim Reaper What have you given me? Is it a stroke? Maybe I'll choke Oh no, it's M-N-D Yo 
back. MND. Ah, King of Brown Hills, fellas. You're back, MND. Now, yeah, where, where can they, if they want to download this, because, okay, the money for this is going mm. to a really good cause. All right. You can download it in all the usual places. Amazon, Apple, Google. Spotify. Spotify. Okay. So uh, you can also see the video on our Facebook page or our website. Our website, by the way, is watchyourbackmnd.com. Or for those of you in the States, it's watchyourbackmnd. Oh, Watch your back, ALS.com. Oh, you, oh, you actually, you, you got the domain for ALS well, when you were Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Absolutely. Okay. All right. And they don't call it MND at all in the no. States, no? ALS. Because right, I, I often wonder, was there a difference between the mm-hmm. two? Because you hear the two mentioned. You hear ALS mentioned over here quite a lot. No, actually, as far though. as I know, I think ALS is a form yeah. of MND. All right, okay. So. Yeah. So, Roy, you come back to me in a thousand days. I am be here. Without a shadow of a doubt. Can I say a quick hello to somebody? Oh, you can say hello to as many people as you want. Sheila Verdon ran the marathon for Watch Your Back M&D uh, on Sunday. Yeah, how'd she um, do? She did really well and she raised over €2,000. Thank you, Sheila. Right, so for all those people out there who are, some of you may have a MND who might be listening or any neurological disease, you believe there's light at, light at the end of the tunnel, certainly when it comes to AMD. You betcha. Right. Well, I, I I wish you well, Roy, and I really Thank do. You. And I hope to talk to you again because I've known in, we've known each other for a long, long time. I'll be here. So I hope to talk to you again in a thousand days. I'll time. Be back. And, and that's the challenge now. Yes, yeah. you've set a, a challenge now. So I want you back in the season in a thousand days. I'll be back to tell us that you're on the mend. You betcha. All right, Roy. It's been lovely meeting. Thank you, Noel. Thanks so much. And Terence, thanks for looking after him. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break, and after the break, I will be talking about contraception. Have you got an opinion on that, by the way, Roy? Yeah, what about it? Even Viagra free, you know? Taxpayers. Well, you can if you have a medical card. Have you got a medical card? I do, yeah. Yeah, you can get Viagra for oh, free in a medical yeah, card. I believe you can get three a month. <laughs> so that allows you to do it three times. Oh, jeez. In a month. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.